Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Clifton Baptist Church in Forest, Mississippi. My prayer is that you'll be blessed by God's word preached from our pulpit. Today's message is from Brother Glenn Denton in our fall revival. Preached, but with my choir behind me while I preached. And I would get some real stories coming from that. My wife would go to sleep a lot of Sundays while I'm preaching, sitting in the choir. And everybody noticed it, and they'd tell her, and she would say, no, I was just resting my eyes. But I don't think she was paying a bit of attention. But anyway, she was back there. But I'm glad I always had somebody good behind me backing me up because they was all behind me while I was preaching every Sunday. So it's good to have that good bunch excited back there. If they don't get excited, probably nobody out here will. So that's great. Thank you, choir, for being faithful and being here every night. And um, I know I, we was laughing last night. I'm a, I know I'm a hick. I, I know that. I, got, I speak hick. That's the language I speak. Country hick. That's what I do best. And it's hard to get over it. It's hard to miss my voice most anywhere. You can tell I was in Hong Kong walking across the uh, uh, walking across one of the uh, in one of the hotels and we were coming in. We, I, was, had, I had been down to the Philippines and been preaching for about 18 days. So I'm coming into Hong Kong. Uh, we're going to do some work there. And so I, I was walking across the hotel lobby and, um, you know, in, in Hong Kong. And I heard somebody, hey, hey, you. And so they come running. Where are you from? I said, I'm from Tennessee. I knew it. I knew it. I could hear that voice all the way. I knew you was from Tennessee. Where are you from? I said, I'm from a little town called Pulaski, Tennessee. And she said, I'm from Pulaski, Tennessee. And she said, I live in Louisiana now. I, I, she said, but I'm from Pulaski, Tennessee. What? And she said, this is my daddy. You know my I said, I know your daddy. And I knew her daddy very, very well. And uh, so I don't care where you go, you can detect this old hick voice just about anywhere you want to go. You can tell it. And so I'm proud to speak hick. Are you? Now, you're not this much further south. You still speak that little that mountain hick yourself, you know. Y'all kind of like, we all sound just alike. So it's, it's, uh, it, it's okay if you, can, if you can't speak hick. In Israel, I had one tour guide. I, I had one of the, the most intelligent ones I've ever had. And he and I got along tremendous. And he was able to, commun- we communicated wonderfully. And yet he, one guy said to him, said, how do you understand him? I can't understand a thing he says. He said, I understand everything he says. Well, there's a reason he couldn't understand. One was saved and the other was lost. That's the difference. When you're saved, you can just hear things better. Hey, can I get amen? And so I'm glad that I'm able to come tonight. And I hope you hadn't got a sign hung around your neck saying, do not disturb tonight. Because last night, I think we had some signs hung around our heads saying, do not disturb. I tried to disturb you, all right? And I'm going to try to disturb you tonight, or I'm going to hope the Holy Ghost is going to disturb you tonight, and we're going to have a good time in the Lord. So I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Um, I have been teaching the book of the Revelation, I'm not preaching from there tonight, but oh, I hadn't got my mic on, okay, let me get my mic on here. As I've been preaching from the book of the Revelation, I've been preaching uh, on Facebook. I I preach twice a week, and so if you want to go get it, I've been there for about a year, and uh, I just going verse by verse through the book of the Revelation. And if you'll go to Glendenton Ministries, um, 
hit Facebook Live. It's public for you, and all my messages is left on the timeline so you can go back and get them if you're interested in prophecy because I'm interested in prophecy because all prophecy is is history pre-written. You know that. And so our, our Lord give us a whole lot from the book, and uh, I'm grateful for it. Now, I want to remind you tonight that revival... Sometimes we forget where it comes from. I think we've come to the place where we think we're going to have to have a rival in the White House to save this country. That's not true. We, we're not going to see revival in the White House. We're not going to see it in the State House. We're not going to see it in the schoolhouse. And we're not going to see it in the courthouse. We're not even going to see it in the outhouse unless we see it in the church house. And so tonight, I want us to concentrate on the fact that we need revival in the church. And one of the things that will excite us about having revival is what I'm going to preach about tonight in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. This is not an unusual text. It is one that's very common for you, but I just want to remind you tonight what God says. Look at what it says in verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now, let me just remind you, when the Bible uses the word asleep, it just means dead, okay? Now, the Bible don't teach soul sleep. It says that when the Bible uses the word sleep, it means dead. You're just dead. Your body's dead. Your body's laying there, but your soul does not cease to exist. It, it, there is no soul sleep. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when he says here, he's concerning, he says those which are dead is what he's talking about. For if ye believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, if they were so sleeping down here, he couldn't bring them with him if up, up there, right? So that's where he's coming. All the dead in Christ he's bringing with him. And for this we say unto you by the word that we are which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Now look at that word, caught up. Up. That's a great word. It's used all through the Bible. Caught up, it says, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. Now, we have a chapter break here, but we do not have a thought break. All right, the our original writing here continues on the same thought. Just because we break with the chapter don't mean we change subjects. He's continuing the same subject. You listen to what he, what he said. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh on them and travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, or ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of a day. 
and we are not of the night nor the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And look, verse 9, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. Now tonight, I want to talk to you on a simple subject called the blessed hope. Not a hope so, but the blessed hope. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for the great truth of this word. And God, forgive us if the only time we use this is in funerals and times like that for, for to comfort people. God, may we bring comfort and we may bring calmness and thrill and excitement and and, and enthusiasm to the heart of every believer every day by the promises that we find here in this wonderful book of yours. And God, thank you for First Thessalonians. Every chapter you speak of you coming to get us. And Second Thessalonians, every chapter you speak of you coming to get us. And so God, we thank you for your promises that's in your word. May you tonight indelibly imprint them on our heart to where we understand that to be saved is to be constantly ready and looking for you to come. Now let me preach in Holy Ghost power and I pray you'll do something to bless this church, to help this church, to enable this church to be everything you want them to be and to reach people for Jesus Christ. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. When I look at this particular passage, I want you to understand today, I'm not going to talk to you a great deal about the signs of the times, but I'll tell you why in just a moment. But I want to remind you today, if you know the book of Romans chapter number one, if you know anything about Romans chapter number one, if you'll think about it, the sins of our times are the signs of our times. Are y'all with me? So we don't have to have a sign of the times. We've got the sins of the times to tell us that Jesus is coming is soon, right? Because the Bible's very, very clear what's going to happen to us degenerating, our degenerate state, and we continue to go to the lowest lifestyle possible. So we don't have to have any signs of the times. The sins of the times helps us to know that Jesus are coming. And so tonight, when I look at this special text tonight, I want you to notice that I'm really talking about the rapture of the church, the rapture of the church. I know there's been a lot of conflict about that in the last couple of years and people are spouting off all over the country about it. But not to believe in the rapture of the church is to take something precious away from you and that is the hope of glory. The Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when it talks about the second coming or his appearing for his saints or the rapture we call it, it the Bible tells us that it is our blessed hope. In other words, when you got saved, God put in you something called the blessed hope where every moment of your life, you're expecting Jesus to come and call us up in the air. That's the way it's supposed to be. If, you, if it's not that way in your life, check out whether you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the term rapture is a term you not find in the Bible. I'll tell you that. You also won't find baptistry in the Bible, but we use one. You also don't find Trinity in the Bible, but you do find Trinity in the Bible. It's just not called that. And you find rapture in the Bible. It's just not called. That fact is called something better than that. It's called caught away, caught up. 
It's called translated that we should not see death. You remember the Bible, the rapture don't just show up for the church. There's seven raptures that I think we can find when we study God's word in the Bible. There's seven of them that we find in the Bible. The first one is the rapture of Enoch in Genesis. You remember very early we find a rapture take place. Now, Hebrew says that he was translated that he should not see death. Genesis says that he just walked all on, went out walking one day and just walked on up with God. He just snatched him up and took him. He was caught away. And then we find the next rapture happens with a great prophet by the name of Elijah. And Elijah was raptured. We find it in 2 Kings where Elijah was raptured, the Bible says. And so we know that was a rapture. And then here's one we don't think about sometime. Jesus was raptured. And when you read Revelation 12, verse 5, the way it says Jesus left this earth, he was caught up. Caught up. Same term, he was caught up. And then there's the rapture of Philip in the Bible. You remember in Acts chapter 8, the Bible says he was caught away. They didn't see him anymore. He was translated from one place to another instantaneously. He shows up at a different place. Isn't that amazing what God can do? But he did that. He even made himself invisible as he walked through the crowds when they was trying to kill him. Our God can do anything. So a rapture is not too hard for God. In fact, he just keeps on doing them because the Bible says he raptured Paul. In the book of 2 Corinthians 12, the Bible says Paul was caught up into the third heaven. Same word, caught up, raptured, translated, transferred from one place to another. And Paul was caught up in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And then the church here is told in 1 Thessalonians 4 and in other places that they are going to be caught up. And we'll talk about that tonight. But we're not going to be the last rapture. There's going to be a seventh one. Has to be seven to be a number of completion, right? And the seventh one happens in right in the middle of a tribulation period. And there's two fire-breathing preachers. And I bet they had flat tops and cowboy boots on. I'm not sure yet. But they could breathe fire. If anybody get me in trouble, they'd be crispy critters in just a minute, all right? They just breathe fire on them and that's it. Nobody could shut them up for three and a half years. And after three and a half years, God gets done with them, lets them kill them. And they lay in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. And then in the middle of three and a half years of that seven-year period, Jesus raptures those two men right up in everybody's eyes as they're translated into heaven. So rapture is not an uncommon thing to happen in the Bible, and it's going to happen to the church. It's the only hope we have. You say, well, I just believe it's going to come and that's it. No, no, if you believe that, you got a problem. When you go to the Old Testament and read, there is not one promise in the Old Testament of second coming of Christ except for wrath and judgment. Go read it. When you read the Old Testament... The promise of his coming always is with wrath and judgment. But we get to the New Testament. The promise to the church is not to obtain wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. There's ours is hope. When he comes for us, we are, we get hope. Now you say, explain it. Okay, I'm going to do that. The hope for the dead and hope for the living comes because of something that the Bible calls the appearing. 
Not the coming, but the appearing. Titus chapter two, verse 13. This is what it said. Looking for that blessed hope and his glorious appearing of the great God and our son, Jesus Christ. Our savior, Jesus Christ. What does he call it? The blessed hope and glorious appearing. In other words, the thing that we're looking for is his appearing. That's what I'm looking for. I don't want to be here when he comes. I want to be with him when he comes. The Bible says that he is coming for his children. He's coming for us all and he's coming with us all, what the Bible says. So he comes in the air before he comes to the earth. The Bible's clear, separates. And so wherever you see the word appearing, that's in reference to him snatching the church away and we going up into the air to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We don't meet them in the valley of Armageddon. We meet him in the air. First John chapter three, listen to what he says. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as pure. You know why we live like we live? We live holy because we know at any moment the Holy One could come and catch us away. We're looking for his appearing. This world is a, if they knew what the second coming, they'd be scared out of their boots if they're not saved. But when we're saved, we're no longer ashamed. We're no longer afraid of his coming. It is our hope that he comes. It's our only hope to get snatched out of this wicked place. The rapture, the catching away, the translation when he appears. And the Bible constantly separates those two. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, when Paul writes that wonderful charge he gives to young Timothy, he's writing to it and he says, at his appearing and his kingdom, two. His appearing when he catches the church up, his kingdom when he comes to rule, when he comes to win the battle of Armageddon, set himself up as king in Jerusalem and rule and reign for a thousand years. That's his kingdom. That's his kingdom. So tonight, the thing that ought to bless you the most is you have a hope. And you got that hope when you got saved because God put it in you. You can't get away from that hope. Listen to what Hebrews 9, 28 says. Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin to salvation. Who's Jesus coming for? The people. Who's he going to appear for? The people who look for him. Have you ever heard people say, well, I believe there'll be people in heaven that didn't think they was going. No, there won't. There's nobody going to be in heaven that didn't think they were going. You don't accidentally fall into heaven. You intentionally believe on Jesus Christ and are saved and go to heaven. And Jesus said, I'm not coming for those who are not looking for me. I'm coming for those looking for me. And that's your blessed hope. Because then he said, you'll be without sin unto salvation. That's what we shed, this old robe, these old nasty fleshly robes, and it's gone, and we're caught up to be with him forever in the Lord. And if it happens tonight, here all you're going to see laying up here is a cheap suit and a white shirt and, a, and a, well, some kind of tie. Probably I got a yard sale, I don't know. And you're going to see a ring and a watch and a pair of socks and some underwear. And for those of you that ain't saved, you can clean up our mess when we're gone, amen. 
Now that's what's going to happen. When he appears, we're gone. Nobody sees us leave. We just leave. And I believe with all my heart that the Antichrist will take credit for it. And that's how he'll maintain and gain his authority and power because he's got rid of that narrow-minded, bigoted, terrorist crowd of Christians who gave him problems, gave this world all the problems. You do know we're the problem for the world today, right? Yeah, we're the deplorables. That's what they call us. Those Bible bangers, those gun toters. Mm, I ought to get some amen somewhere. <laughs> amen, Brother Glenn, that's good preaching. I like that. I'm telling you, they, they hate us in this world. I don't care where we're in Africa, Philippines. I don't care where we're at in this world. They hate believers. There's a global hatred for God and his children. And so the Antichrist will get rid of anybody who thinks right about God and take the credit for what God does in the rapture. But three and a half years later, when those three guys are resurrected, <laughs> I think that's God saying, that's where the rest of my kids went three and a half years ago. And the whole world at that time will know who he is because in three and a half years he will turn, the scripture said, on the Israel and the Jews. And it would be better for them, the Bible said, to not even have a child. It's going to be such a horrible thing and they're going to have to flee in such a disastrous day when he turns on them and all havoc breaks loose against Israel and the world. So here we are. We got our problems in our life. We got trouble in our life. We got all kinds of things going on in our life. And you know what? Your financial problems, the hope for it is Jesus coming. Yeah, yeah, your, your church troubles is all going to be over when his appearing takes place. Our preacher's problems are all going to be over when his appearing takes place. Our economic crisis in this world will be over when his appearing takes place. Every problem, every trouble, every pain, every sorrow that we have will be taken care of. But all the hope we have is the blessed hope that, uh, that gets us out of every mess we're in right now. If that don't thrill your heart tonight, I don't know how anything could. So... I want you to think about the caught up is a very important word because the rapture is a Latin word which means to be snatched away or to catch away. That's why we call it the rapture. And so if you don't like that word, use the word appearing. Use the word that Paul uses in 2 Timothy, our gathering together unto him. Because he separates it there too. His coming and our gathering together unto him. So use those words. Use the word translated. They should not use whatever words you want. Means the same thing. We got snatched away from this earth. It could happen in the next 30 seconds. It could come and snatch us away. Now I swear it says he, we're going to be caught up. What does it say? We're going to caught up to meet him where? In the air. That word means atmosphere. Now, who is the prince of the power of the air? The devil, right? He's the prince of the power of the atmosphere. 
And so I'm going to show you the moment how we're going to get through his crowd getting up there. But we're going to be taking up. The Lord's going to appear in the atmosphere and we're going to be snatched up to meet him in the atmosphere. You say, I'm afraid of heights. You won't be on that day. You won't be on that day. It's going to be cool, right? It's going to be great, man. You're going to be flying away, spitting the devil's eye on your way by. But I'm telling you, it's going to be a great day when you get snatched away. Some of you, some of you older folks like me, you remember uh, several years ago that Nike come up with the word. You know what the Greek word Nike means? It means victory. And when you see Nike, it's the Greek word Nike. It means victory. That's where they got that term from, a Greek word. And so they come up with a sneaker during Michael Jordan's praying, the playing days, and it was called Air Jordan sneakers. You remember that? Anybody remember that? Am I the only old person here? Come on, fess up some of you folks. God help us. I know you're as old as I am. Well, maybe not, but you're getting close. Well, they made a stick, and you know what? And he, you know why they did it that way? Because of his jumping ability and hang time. I mean, the dude could flat jump. And the dude, when he jumped, could just like hang in midair. So they named it Air Jordans. One of these days, I'm going to have a pair called Air Dentons. And it's going to snatch me up. And you think you've seen some hang time? Wait till that day happens, glory to God. There's going to be some hang time happening that day. Because we're going to fly away to be with Jesus. Somebody with me tonight. Okay, two of you are. Thank God for that. Amen. Now, let me just say a word here and make everybody mad right quick. This crowd today that's spending all their time about the new green deal, can I tell you that's a new dirty deal? Listen, we're not here to make this place a better place to live in. We're here to make this a place a better place to leave. We're not here to clean up this world. We're here to snatch as many as we can out of it and take them to glory to a world that needs no cleaning up. And this crowd today is all worried about saving this world. Wait till you read the book of Revelation and that is an environmentalist nightmare when you read the book of Revelation. They can throw up when they read that, when they see what God's going to do to this thing. They think my aerosol spray cans is going to mess it up. My right guard, I ain't quitting my right guard. I don't care what they do unless they quit making it. Because I'm not worried. God made this world to last as long as he wants it to last. And he'll be the one to take care of destroying it. Amen. Brother, good preaching, Brother Glenn. You're doing good tonight. <laughs> Here's the first thing I want you to notice, and I'll go it quickly. I said, when we look at this blessed hope, the first thing we must think about is rapture signs. What is the signs of the rapture? Well, there are none. That's as simple as I can get it. There are no signs of the rapture. But on the other hand, because the rapture is guaranteed to us, his appearing, his translation is, appear, is, is guaranteed to us, that means that the closer his coming gets, all the signs that he gave us, if we start to see what Jesus Christ said was going to happen, that means the closer the rapture is going to be. It's kind of like this. We, I, used to, I went to Bible college in Florida, and I knew the way to my Bible college, knew how to get there. And I knew how to drive back all the way to Tennessee. 
I knew it by heart. I didn't need any signs. I didn't need a road sign. I didn't need any sign. I knew where to turn, where to go, what to do. I drove it, drive it in my sleep. I did sometimes. <laughs> so, but here's what I noticed. Closer I'd get to Panama City, I'd start seeing signs. 50 miles, sandy white beaches. Another 10 miles, 40 miles, Captain Anderson's seafood. 30 miles, water park. And closer you get, there will be sign after sign after sign. And friend, I'm telling you, that is one of the ways we can know for sure and get so excited today as believers because in Jesus, Matthew, Matthew 24, Jesus said to his disciples, there is going to be a generation alive when he comes that will see all these things come to pass. And what he was talking about, all the things concerning his tribulation and his coming, which he describes in Matthew 24, there's going to be one generation that don't see some of it, but sees all of it which means there is a rapidity in events that takes place. There's an acceleration of things. The closer it gets to Christ's coming, the more accelerated events starts happening, and we just see the signs because we're going down the road. Did I get any word with that? Does that make sense to you? We don't have to have a sign. He could come at any time. He could have come in Paul's day. But now that we're seeing, there has never, ever, ever been a generation alive that has seen the acceleration and rapidity of the events that Jesus talked about like we have seen in our day. I don't know where, but there is a generation. I believe, these. I know these kids. I'm almost, I, I can't say for positive, but I'm almost sure that these kids will at least get to see the rapture. I'm hoping you'll let me hang on long enough to see the rapture. I'd like rather go through the clouds as a clods, hadn't you? <laughs> I mean, lot rather go that way. So rapture signs is very, very important because look what he said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4, but ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should take you unawares as a thief. No, 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 overtake you as a thief. That, it don't slip up on us. We know it's coming. That's why the scripture in Hebrews 10, 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. So Paul said, you can see the day approaching. And we are seeing the day approaching. And instead of us doing more of church, we're doing less of church. We're canceling services. And we're stopping preaching. And the Bible said it pleads God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We're seeing an absence of preaching. We're seeing an absence of love for the church. In fact, you're seeing the church put down today like it's never been put down before. That ought to say to you that Jesus is coming soon. And for those of us that's really saved, you don't want less church. You want more of God's church and God's people and God's word. Mm-hmm. Just the way it is. Hebrews 10, 25, by as clear on that as I can tell him. Not forsaking the assembling themselves together as the manner of some of them was. They were doing it too. But so much so, intensify it as the events of the second, second coming intensifies up 
up your worship to God. Up your hearing the word of God. Up your hanging around with God's people. Up it. Because Jesus is coming. So when I, if I wanted to tonight, I won't take time to do it. But if you read, read your Bible tonight, you'll find that God reminds us that we can see those days approaching. Remember what he told his disciples? He said, it's an amazing thing to me, boys. He said, you can tell when it's going to rain. You can look up and see the sky and you know it's going to be a storm. Or you can look up and see the sky and it's not going to be a storm. But yet you do not see the things of my coming. Weather forecast us. We know it's going to be a storm before there is a storm. Sometimes there's no storm. It's just supposed to be a storm. But we don't care too much about what we're seeing. Listen, if I was lost today, I'd be trimming in my boots just by looking around what's happening. If I wasn't saved tonight. If you're sitting here unsaved tonight, I wouldn't take a chance. I wouldn't take a hallelujah second and walk out that door without Jesus Christ tonight. Because he, if you just read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy alone, he tells us what to look for in the latter times of the last days. Now here's the last day. Last day started at Pentecost and will end when he catches the church away. But the Bible says there's latter times. The latter times of the last days Paul tells Timothy to look for and tells him the way things is going to be. And one of the things he says, it's going to be perilous times or violent times or fierce times, a time when people are afraid, a time when you can get killed walking down the street or shot or shot or airplane shot down or blown up wherever you are in a school. I met a, I, I, I got, met a couple in Texas, uh, the, the little church in Texas about five years ago that they walked into and shot, shot up. You remember the, the, lady had left her husband for abuse, went to live with her mom and dad. They went to church the next morning. Her husband comes down there to kill her with a loaded gun, walks in the church, kills her, means to kill her mom and dad and everybody else. And you remember two guys stands up, one over here and one over here, had 45s and blew the dude away before he could blow everybody else away. I met that girl's parents about two months ago. And she said, we don't talk about it a lot anymore. But this is what she said. She said, our church was just a small church, a little bitty small town in Texas. Said, we had about 50. You know, you know what they're running now? 250. In a town population, probably not 1,000. Not only that, they got a burden for their surrounding towns. They went to the next town that didn't, had, had a church that was just about gone and dead and start, helped start a work and revive a work down there. And now that church has run 150. So those things shouldn't happen. No, they shouldn't happen. But when they do happen, God gets people's attention. And God used it. But that's perilous time. Did you ever think we'd see a day when you're scared to come to church? You thought that was just for somebody overseas, didn't you? And then false teachings, he warns us about in 2 Timothy. And then he says in 2 Timothy, there'll be a falling away. And of course, we're seeing that. So that's rapture signs. Quickly, let me do those rapture sounds. Let me do them. There's three of them here. There's rapture sounds. For the rapture, there's signs, but there's no signs. But there's sounds that really exist. And look at the sounds. There'll be with the shout of the Lord. You say, what's that mean? Well, he will speak with a voice. We're told in the Bible, his voice is as the voice of a trumpet in the book of Revelation. In fact, in chapter 4, verse number 1, he says the very same words he said to the men that was laying in the street. 
in Revelation 11. He said, come up hither. And the Bible said there's a great door opened in heaven and up we went. That's the appearing. That's when he takes us in. That's when he translates us. In Revelation 4, you don't ever see us again until you get to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You don't see us anywhere there from then on out through the Bible. Past chapter 5, where we're praising around the altar, you don't see us again until we're coming back with Jesus. So he takes us up in the air. And so he tells us the shout of the Lord, which simply means that it will be the voice of Jesus. And I don't know what he's going to say where he says, come up hither. When he says, come up hither, or maybe he says it in some other term. Maybe he's using another version. says, just come up here. That's good enough. I don't care what he says. I'm going. And you are too if you're saved because he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And only his sheep can hear his voice. So when the voice of shout of the Lord takes place, that trumpet sound of the Lord takes place, only the sheep hears it. They go up. And then there's a second voice, the voice of an archangel. Now, why in the world is an archangel, why is he concerned with the rapture? Who's the prince of the power there? I didn't told you that. You all, I told you the answer for the question, okay? It's the devil, right? Satan's the prince of the power of the air, the atmosphere. Why is Michael here? Who fights the demons? The angels do, right? They're the ones we find them through the scripture fighting. Read the Bible. It tells us. In fact, Daniel couldn't even get a prayer through for 21 days. And Michael had to come down and do a demonic warfare so he could get his prayer answered. So up in there, who's going to keep all those demons away from God's children? They fly up. Michael assembles his troop, and we have two to every one demon, two angels to every one demon. I mean, we're going to beat them like Alabama usually beats Tennessee. Yeah. We're going to get them. Usually, I said. Giving Adam some credit. I'm picking at him. But the thing about it is, Michael, did you know when you die, that there is a battle goes on. You remember Jude 9 says when Moses died that they had an argument about the body. Jude, read it, verse, Jude verse number 9. And he tells us they argued about the money. And so the devil wants to claim your body at death. Standing by your bedside when you die as one or two creatures, there'll either be angels to take you to heaven or demons to drag you to hell. One or two creatures. And I've seen people as they was dying describe them both. I've seen it in their eyes. Heard in their voices. I've seen it in their supernatural actions during those times. So there's going to be the voice of the archangel. And then there's going to be the trump of God. Why does he use the word trump of God? Why does he say that sound's going to happen? Because a trump, a trumpet was used to assemble people. And so what he's what does he call the gathering together? You know, the assembly of the believers, the ecclesia, the called out group called the church. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to take the trump of God that was used in the Bible to assemble for worship. They would blow it when they had to worship. They had blew the trumpet. When they went to war, they blew the trumpet. When it was time to go to work, they assemble with the trumpet. And so here he's going to blow the trumpet and assemble all of his saints up in the atmosphere. It's going to be a great day, right? That's high attendance day in glory. You ain't having none of those excuses in. If you saved, you going. Whether you want to quit that football game or not, you going. 
You're going. I don't care if it's a soccer game that day. You're going. I don't care if you've got a date on the lake. If you are going. You're not going to miss that day if you're saved. I think a lot of people are going to be ashamed of where they are on that day, don't you think? So here's the third thing. There's rapture sights. I've got to hurry. Because last night, Addison told me I preached way too long, so I'm listening tonight. Rapture sights, verse 16, 17. Look, it says, The dead in Christ shall rise, and we shall be caught up. Now, what does that mean? Well, the souls of all the dead which were with Christ, Revelation describes being with him. 24 elders represents the souls of all the dead which were with Christ will be raised in new bodies, and we will be raptured and caught up. Now, the Bible says it's a point unto once to, once to man, uh, man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. So you say, well, we're not dying. Yeah, well, here's what happens. We get a brand new body. So die, all dying is, is leaving this body. And so what happens is, is that this old body dies, and we get resurrected before it can hit the ground. Y'all got it? That's what happened. We shed this mess, and we are up before it can hit the ground. In a moment... In a twinkling of an eye. There it is. Rapture sights. are going to take place. Imagine, folks. Everything you don't like about yourself will be gone that day. Gone. And everything anybody else don't like about you will be gone. That's amazing to me. We shed it all. We shed the corruptible and put on the incorruptible. Mm. But I mentioned it, and I'll close with this. There's a rapture second. According to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 53, there will be a moment, and he uses the word twinkling of an eye, which, which, which doesn't mean just the batting of an eye. It, it actually does mean like a little twinkle, more than just, not just a bat of the eye, but it means just tw- twinkle of an eye. So, in other words, it happened so fast that you could not measure it in time. You couldn't put it in slow motion like on on the time clocks and run it down in slow motion to two, three, two, one second and stop. No, it wouldn't be one second. It's faster than any time measurement, the twinkling of an eye. So that means you don't have time for another verse of just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. That means you don't have time to run down the street to that lost neighbor that you know is not saved and say, wait a minute, Jesus is coming. You better get saved. Don't have time to do that. No, no, no. You haven't got time to catch up on your tithing where you've been cheating God. Hadn't got time to do that. And robbing God, he calls it. But you hadn't got time to call your grandchildren up and say, wait a minute. Are you saved? I wrote, Jesus is coming. Are you saved? No. You see, we've got now to do that. And now is all we have. The moment in the twinkling of an eye. Here's a boy fixing a stand up to baseball plate and the pitcher's ready to throw the ball and before he can swing the bat. Boom, he's gone. Here's a young lady in a out in a cheerleader uniform, and she's shaking her pom-poms, and all of a sudden, the rapture takes place, and boom, she's gone. Nothing there, pom-poms and a little skirt. She's gone. 
She don't have time to say, Mama, take a picture of me. No. Gone. And Mama, if you're not saved, you'll be left. Daddy, if you're not saved, you'll be left. I call that rapture separation, which means the Bible says there could be one on one side of the world, one on this side of the world, one can be in the field, one can be in the bed. Jesus even said, he made it clear that it could happen on both sides of the world. Somebody could be sleeping over here, somebody working over here. No matter where they are in this world, they'll hear the voice of God. And up they'll go. And if God don't change my mind tomorrow night, I'm going to tell you which direction they're going to go. Exact direction. There's a rapture separation. You say, well, what do we do, Brother Glenn? What do we do till then? Well, first of all, we need to increase our love for Jesus and his people. This world needs to start seeing a church that actually loves Jesus with all their heart and they know it and loves each other with all their heart and it's obvious to be seen. That's one thing we can do. If you love me, he said, you'll keep my commandments so we can obey God during these days. We can increase our love and we can take a fresh hope every day. We can get up every day and instead of looking at the news and getting depressed, we can get up every day and listen for the shout and be impressed every day, motivated every day. Jesus could be coming. And we can reach the lost like we've never done. Jude says, like snatching them as brands from burning. We need to be that urgent about reaching people for Jesus. Like, like brands burning and we're snatching them just right out of the flames of hell. That's how serious we ought to be. And we can stop neglecting preaching the word. You're a preacher he ever quits preaching the word, I'm personally going to drive down here and beat the devil out of him. If he ever quits preaching the word. And if you allow it, I'm coming down here and spank all you too for it. But that's not going to happen. And there's one thing we don't ever need to quit, and that's preaching the word. God had one son, and he made him a preacher. Made him a preacher. I don't know today what would happen to you, but if the Lord were to come right now and we were to hear the voice and we're gone. I'm ready to go tonight. I'm ashamed of some things that I'm going to have to face. I know some things that I stand at the judgment seat, a, a ward with a beam of seat that I wished I'd have done different. I wished I'd have had more crowns to lay at his feet. I wished I'd have won more people to Christ. I wished I'd have served him a little better, a little stronger. I wished I'd have given a little more and prayed a little harder. I'm sure... I'm going to wish for all those things, but yet I'm going to be so excited to be there, to know I, there I stand. That I think I'll have a few rewards there for the Lord to crown me with. And you know, one thing I don't ever have to worry about is Him bringing up anything in my past because that was all taken care of at Calvary. At that judgment seat, it's not to deal with our sins. It's to deal with our service. I don't want to be ashamed when that comes. I cut this out of a paper a long time ago. I just want to read it to you tonight. It was in April 1988. It was in a Houston newspaper. A skydiver attempted to film a number of fellow jumpers as they all leaped from the plane and began their free fall. 
A jump started off well as the photographer was able to capture some very exciting footage, and each skydive was captured by the camera as he raced through the air and then opened his chute. But the last segment of the film is one of total chaos as the cameraman had made a horrifying discovery. In his enthusiasm to film the dive, the photographer forgot to put on his parachute. And it wasn't until he reached for the ripcord that he realized his error. And his jump was an eventful and exhilarating trip for a few fleeting moments, but ended in great disaster. You see, we can flow through this world thinking everything's all good, all excited, enjoying life, living it up. But there comes a day we're going to need a Savior. Better not wait too late to reach for the ripcord because we want your chute to open and be caught up to meet him when he comes. If you're not saved tonight, do it. Do business with God tonight. Teenagers, children, young adults, senior adults. Doesn't matter. I'm finding out I'm winning more senior adults to the Lord now than I ever have in my whole ministry. People who's admitting they're lost and giving their heart to Christ. And some who've never ever professed anything are coming to know Jesus. And I'm so grateful. It's a rare thing for senior adults to be saved. So young people, remember, you may never see that time of your life. So tonight, give your heart to Jesus. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes all over this place. Our musicians will be coming and we'll be singing. Tonight, I hope you're encouraged and blessed by the blessed hope that you sense in your heart. I hope you're excited about how you feel right now in your heart that you have that lure, that draw toward heaven. You want to go. You're excited about being there. You're excited about seeing Jesus. You're excited about leaving all this old mess and filthy old world behind and going to a place of holiness and beauty and joy and contentment and glory. And maybe tonight you want to just come and thank Him for the sweet peace He gives. So with the sweet comfort one another with these words, maybe you just want to come and thank God for the comfort that he's given you for what he's written in this book that we've talked about tonight. Or maybe you need to come and say, I've got some things I really don't have to, I know I'm saved, but I know there's some things I, I, I need to get right with the Lord and, and I need to get busy for Jesus before he comes. And tonight you may need to make that commitment or you may need to put your membership in this church or you may need to come and follow the Lord in believer's baptism. You've been saved, but you never follow the Lord in baptism. You ought to be obedient to God and do that tonight. But if you're lost, please tonight, please, on the first note we send this thing, first one, would you step out and take this preacher by the hand and say, preacher, I want to be saved tonight. He can't save you, but he'll take you to one who can. The Lord Jesus. Father, Speak, speak right now to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. We'll be singing. You be coming right now.